What's going on, folks? And a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to all of you. As always, I am your host, Steve Perry, and I have got to say, I am really happy to have you guys all back on campus. I will tell you, being a campus minister is really boring when there is no campus to minister to. (laughs) Anyway, we left this podcast off last month talking about why, when so many Christian denominations have opened up analogous pastoral roles to women, the church has continued to keep the ministerial priesthood in all-male function. And the answer we came up with was, in very short form, because we don't know for certain why God in Christ chose only men to be priests when he founded the church, it's not up to us as humans to decide that it's no longer relevant. If you missed that one, I would definitely give it a listen because we said a whole lot more than just that that would probably clear up what I just said there. But with that said, I did also promise that we weren't just going to leave it at that, leave it at, it's a mystery and it's only God who truly knows. I promised that in our next podcast, I would talk about the theological proposition that makes the most sense to me about God's reasoning behind making priests all men. So that's what we're going to do today. And I want to emphasize that This idea that I'm going to talk about is by no means the only idea out there, but it is the one that makes the most sense to me, and my hope is that it will make sense to you as well. So, having said that, I invite you all to sit back and enjoy the first episode of Case Catholic Radio 2018. Okay, so... In order for this line of reasoning we're going to walk down to make much sense, we need to start at a particular point. Namely, by talking about the theology of signs. Or another way of saying that is the Catholic understanding of signs and symbols. Because what we believe about symbols is quite different from what many others do. I'm sure you've heard something like this said before. Oh, it's just a symbol. Probably about any number of things. That's actually a phrase you will rarely hear coming out of the mouth of someone who spent a good chunk of time studying studying our faith. Why? Because in our faith, symbol is a very strong word. Our understanding of what symbol means actually reaches back to the original Greek from which we received the word. In Greek, it's actually the combination of two words, sim and baleo. You've probably heard the first word before, sim. It means with or together, because you've heard words like sympathy, which in Greek meant to suffer with, or symbiotic, which meant to live together. But baleo is probably a little bit more foreign to you. What it means is to throw. So when you put those two words together, it means to throw together. All right, so... How does that connect for us to the meaning of the modern word symbol? Well, in a symbol, two things are thrown together. A visible thing and an invisible reality. A material sign and an immaterial truth. And in being thrown together, these two different things become a symbol 
an entirely new reality altogether. Now, according to our faith, the world is full of these sorts of symbols. Some man-made, like for example, a wedding ring, which is just a circle of precious metal, but when it's combined with the invisible reality of you know, the commitment to live and love together for your whole life, it becomes that piece of metal becomes a wedding ring. And some that are God-made, like the sacraments, for example, baptism, where you have the visible reality of water, which gets thrown together with the invisible reality of sanctifying grace, and it becomes a gateway into the church, that water becomes the waters of baptism. And the thing about symbols is, if you lose your sense of the meaning of either of its two aspects, either the visible or the invisible, it's often the case that you will necessarily lose your understanding of the other. Let me illustrate what I mean by using a quote from someone that some of you might have heard of. His name's G.K. Chesterton. He was an author in the early 1900s. And when he was writing, he proposed a hypothetical future in which the idea of courtship and romantic love was a thing of the past. The people of this future believe themselves to have advanced beyond such archaic rituals like the things that we do for love now. And Chesterton says that in that time, quote, men will ask what selfish sort of woman it must have been who ruthlessly exacted tribute from him in the form of flowers, or what an avaricious creature she must have been to demand solid gold in the form of a ring, unquote. For the men of this hypothetical future, why is the idea of a gift of flowers or a wedding ring so strange? Well, because they have no understanding of the invisible reality that the visible signs are meant to communicate, meaning love and lifelong commitment, all they see are the signs themselves. We, on the other hand, who haven't forgotten the reality of romantic love, know that flowers are a visible sign of love, know that a golden ring is a visible sign of the promise to remain with the woman until death. And because we know those realities, we know that when a man gives a woman flowers, it's not a demanded tribute. It is a symbol of the reality of his love for her. His love gets thrown together with the gift of flowers. So these future men fail to understand the symbol, the whole reality, because they only recognized, they only considered the visible side of it. But what if we did the opposite? What if instead of setting aside the invisible part, we totally set aside the visible part. Well, picture this scenario. You're invited to spend a week at the home of a newly married couple. And when you get there, the wife is just this stellar hostess taking care of your every need and everything you could possibly ask for as you sit down in the living room with her husband. You notice that while the wife is doing all these things for you and for him, the husband is just sitting silently, staring off into the distance with a sort of blank smile on his face. A couple of days go by, and other than when he's eating or when he's sleeping, that's literally all you see him doing. After a while, you get so curious that you eventually ask him, bro, what are you doing? 
And then in response, he turns and looks at you kind of with that same blank look and says, Oh, I'm just sitting here loving my wife. And then he goes back to staring blankly at the wall again. Is that really what he's doing? Is he loving his wife? I, th I think you'd agree that he is not. You see, because love is perhaps the greatest invisible reality, and he thinks that just by, comp just by I'm sorry, contemplating the invisible reality in its essence, he's doing it. But I think that you'd agree that by setting aside any thought of making that love visible, making that tangible through any sort of sign, he's totally failing to love his wife. So these are kind of out there examples and they're kind of funny to picture. But what they do show in sort of a humorous way is this. The consequences of a quote unquote broken symbol of considering a symbol only in its visible part or only in its invisible part can sometimes be substantial. They can be so substantial as a matter of fact that the etymological opposite of symboleo in Greek is diaboleo, which some of you guys might recognize just in hearing it is the root word that many languages use for the word devil or demon. All of what we've talked about so far has been to illustrate this, that according to the way the Catholic tradition uses the word, symbols are a privileged way and sometimes our only way of perceiving invisible realities. So when we talk about things being signs or symbols, we're not trivializing them as others often are when they describe something as a symbol in the vernacular. So there's a question you guys might be asking to yourselves. Why did I just spend seven or eight minutes talking about the theology of symbols in a podcast about the all-male priesthood? Well, because the human person, in his or her totality, is a God-made symbol. And I think if you stop and think for a second, you'd know exactly what I mean. Because human beings aren't just visible realities, right? We aren't just bodies. No, our bodies are visible realities that are the bearers, the conveyors of an invisible reality, namely, the image and likeness of God. Our bodies are, of course, an important and true part of our essence as humans, but they are also signs of that invisible part of us, the image and likeness of God, our spirits. Yet, and here's where we get to our point, when we, male and female, look at our bodies, they're not exactly the same. They are slightly, but significantly different. And why would a sign be slightly, but significantly different? Because it conveys a slightly, but significantly different invisible reality. To put this very simply, in the same way that our bodies are different, so too are our spirits. Here's how this difference applies to our question of the day. The male is, in a very concrete way, designed to give. It is by giving part of himself to a woman that a man takes part in making new life.
The woman with perfect complementarity is designed to receive. It is by receiving part of the man that she takes part in making new life. When God chose to become incarnate, he chose to become incarnate a man. And in so doing, he showed the fullness of the beauty of this symbol. You see, because Christ, by giving all of himself to the world, brought forth new life within it. And according to this line of thinking, none of this was an accident. God became incarnate in a body and soul designed to give. He became, as scripture often says, the bridegroom who lays down his life for his bride so that the bride in turn, who in receiving his body and blood poured out to her, can take on a whole new life in God. And so it follows that Christ's maleness was purposeful, was important. And if that's the case, then it would be equally important for those who he, in his own words, designated his emissaries to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, those who he imbued not only with a share in his power to forgive sins, to make him present, to bring people into his body, but also in his role as a priest in relation to the church, to also be male in body and spirit. A ministerial priest takes on the sacramental function of Christ the giver, a function to which his body and soul are not extraneous. It makes a lot of sense to me that if one is going to function in the person of Christ, especially in this role, he must share with Christ the spirit which is designed to pour itself out to create new life. Ah, man, it's good to be back. So, for those of you listening to this episode as it comes out, we're going to be kicking off this semester on Thursday at 6.30 with a welcome back dinner in our new space in the Holy Rosary Parish Center. We will have a home-cooked meal ready for you guys, made by yours truly, and I don't mean to brag, but I have been told that my cooking is usually above average. (laughs) Also... We've got two events coming up in the next couple of weeks that I want you guys to have on your radar. First, next Friday, January 26th, we'll be having adoration and praise and worship at Holy Rosary. This is something that our leadership team has been working on, and we've been, we're going to start doing it once a month now. We're really excited to be bringing this to our campus, and we have a great musician in Michael Cox to lead our worship through song. Also, On Thursday, February 8th, in lieu of our normal Newman night, we'll be taking a group out to the Winter Jam concert, which is an annual concert where a bunch of Christian artists come to the city to perform together. We'll have more prices and more info in future emails and podcasts. So if you're you're interested, keep an eye out. And as always, friends, if you have any questions about anything we talk about or any requests for topics to talk about on future podcasts, Just send me an email at steve.perry at case.edu or meet me or give me a call at my office in the Interfaith Center. With all of that said, remember y'all, 
You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Peace.